Welcome to the His Call Technology Podcast, where we are communicating tomorrow's business needs today. From just outside Nashville, Tennessee, join His Call as we discuss all things telephony, data, and infrastructure related to business leaders. Here we go. Imagine arriving early one Friday morning at work. You've got some key tasks you want to get done before your users begin logging into systems to start their workday and you embark on a long weekend. As you walk through the office, stopping along the way to grab that second cup of coffee, on your way to your desk, you notice something odd. The office is not as quiet as you expected. You hear the sound of printers as paper slides from tray to inkjet to tray and then back again. For a second, you're dumbfounded. What's going on? You rush to your desk and begin logging into your computer. Uh Uh-oh, you've been locked out of your computer. No access to your files or precious network resources. You quickly try to access one of your servers. Again, no access. Then you remember the printers. You nearly run to one of them. There it is, printed on the paper, are letters and symbols, along with broken English demanding ransom payment to unlock your data. You return to your desk, and there on your computer screen is another message demanding ransom payment. That's basically what happened a few years ago in the city of Borger, Texas, and over 20 other Texas towns. On August 16, 2019, Nearly two dozen cities around Texas woke up that Friday morning to find computers locked up or not functioning correctly. The attack on Borger, a city of fewer than 13,000 residents, was service impacting. Government files were encrypted, their titles replaced by gibberish, all ampersands, exclamation points, and other meaningless symbols. For several days, the city was unable to perform normal business activities and financial operations or provide services. Citizens were unable to access vital statistics to obtain birth certificates and death certificates. The city was unable to print checks or take utility and other payments. Police officers couldn't retrieve important records. Across Texas, 23 municipalities had been hit by cyber attack conducted by a Russian-based crime syndicate. Welcome to this episode of the His Call Technology Podcast. I'm Chuck, your host. Today I have a return guest. I always enjoy having our president and CEO on the podcast with me. Episodes where he's a guest are consistently some of our most downloaded. Gary Luffman returns again today. Welcome to the podcast, Gary. Hello, Chuck. Thank you for having me. Before we jump into our podcast topic, Gary, give our listeners a quick update on the state of business so far this year. Wow. Now, that's a very deep subject for a shallow mind, as they say. (laughs) Um, Business today is very different than it has been. We've had other podcasts where we talked about the pandemic and so forth. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, we've come through all that very well. We're having a really good year this year. Had a good year last year. 
I think businesses overall are recovering from all this and start, it's just a new way of doing business in a variety of different ways, but it also gives us a lot of wonderful new opportunities that we've not seen before either. Yeah, that is one thing. I don't know. It seems like we're really busy, which which feels good. It yeah. seems like, we're, you know, our folks are busy, but it seems like we're doing a lot of different kind of things. Um, a lot of new technologies, new products. It's very, very different. A different environment, challenging, but can be also very fruitful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. Uh, one thing I've noticed is in my email, it seems like I'm getting more emails related to cybersecurity, ransomware specifically. Oh, yes. We've, you know, we've had a couple of podcast episodes where we highlighted cybersecurity topics. Episode 30 described how deception is used in combination with social engineering to conduct cyber attacks. And episode 31 looked at those individuals, threat actors, we we refer to them, responsible for cyber attacks. Uh, On this episode, we're focusing on ransomware. The FBI um, describes ransomware as a type of malicious software or malware that prevents you from accessing computer files, systems, or networks. And the threat actors demand you pay a ransom to return access to your systems. Let's go back to the ransomware incident in Borger, Texas. Had you heard of that before? Yes, I did. I I had forgotten about it until you mentioned and you gave more details. I remembered it now very, very well. Yeah, it was a a big deal back in 2019. Well, the city manager uh, of of this town in Texas refused to pay the ransom. Uh, According to reports, he considered it negotiating with terrorists. Mm -hmm. So this decision not to pay led to this notorious ransomware gang called Ransomware Evil uh, to consider another way of conducting its business. What grew from this incident is now called ransomware as a service, which is a business model where they divvy up the work and split proceeds from the ransom payments. Ransomware as a service is a pay-for-use malware, and it's a big reason we see ransomware is uh, one of the fastest-growing cybersecurity threats faced by businesses today. Uh, Ransomware attacks nearly doubled in 2021. According to a global cybersecurity and risk mitigation expert, NCC Group, they revealed in their 2021 annual threat monitor report that ransomware attacks rose almost 93%. North America, you might expect, was the most targeted region, accounting for 53% of attacks. You know, a lot of times in headlines... The, the big companies, they're the ones that get the focus. The headlines focus on these extortions that are tens of millions of dollars from large organizations. And it can be easy for a small business to think, well, it won't happen to me. But we know that's not true as well. According to Coveware, a ransomware specialist, there's been a tactical shift by these ransomware gangs where they're specifically targeting companies that are large enough to pay, you know, big-time ransoms, but small enough to keep their own attack operating costs low, 
and the resulting media and law enforcement attention low. So they kind of want to slide under the radar best they can. According to the National Cybersecurity Alliance, the majority of all cyber attacks happen at small to mid-sized businesses. You know, Gary, the most startling thing I found in their report was that 60% of those businesses go out of business within six months after our ransomware attack. Mm-hmm. This is a big problem. Mm-hmm. Are you hearing from, from our customers more conversations about cyber attacks and cybersecurity? Is this something that's on their minds? Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. And we've noticed some customers that, that were hit with, uh, with ransomware. Since this topic has been coming up more frequently, it seems like there's been more articles by trade magazines, news bulletins, all sorts of things. Uh, Microsoft even puts things out about that, about updates and so forth. Mm-hmm. My wife and my partner in the business, Sarah, uh, also is very good about researching some things. The uh, statistics that you said about 60% of the businesses that, uh, that go out uh, she found an article that was 40% in some cases. But it interested me to where I wanted to talk with our insurance company. We've got a very good insurance company. One of the owners in, that I deal with there uh, encouraged me a few years ago to get cyber uh, protection insurance. He said this is coming. So we were one of the first to probably purchase cyber protection insurance. I want to think five or six years ago maybe because we'd heard a little rumblings about different things, and now I'm thinking about, do we need to up it? Uh, we've mm-hmm. got quite a bit, but you just never know. But I asked him, too, I said, what is involved? When something like this happens, God forbid, what do you do? And I learned a whole lot from him, things I did not have a clue about. So the steps are, if you'd like to know the steps, he, he taught me these steps. Yeah, sure. He said, uh, should that ever happen, the first thing you do is call local law enforcement. The detective there will get in touch with your with the FBI. From there, they file reports. They do some things. You answer all their questions. So it's, it's investigating a crime scene, just like any crime scene. From that point, you work with the insurance company to help keep you straight because nobody should ever respond to those uh, people, uh, I call them evil people. They call them in the industry threat actors. I didn't know that name either. But you um, don't respond to them. Let the turn it over to law enforcement. Well, in law enforcement, basically uh, they file reports. The FBI files that report, like I was saying, and then uh, they have you work with the insurance company. The insurance company, though, uh, looks out for you. Whoever your underwriter is, they may handle it themselves. They may have another group that specializes in that uh, cyber warfare, I guess you would say. And that person is an authority, a uh, specialist. Mm -hmm. Well, from there, they let you know uh, you've got to get a cyber lawyer. And my question was, why do you have to get a cyber lawyer? I said, well... If you dare try to negotiate with these people and you're going to a country that is sanctioned by the U.S. government, you can be in trouble because you can't pay them any money. I said, my gosh, this thing gets complicated, Tommy. He said, yeah, but this is what you do. So you go through, uh, you go get a cyber lawyer. 
then the cyber lawyer will recommend a couple other companies. If you want to consider paying the ransom, then there's a negotiating group. Uh, you mentioned Coware a mm-hmm. minute ago. That's one of them out there. Um, this business is so big. There's, I've learned there's a lot of different companies out there that do this. And then there's a, so you got the, uh, the insurance company, um, law enforcement of two levels, the insurance company, then they go to the lawyers, the lawyer sets up the negotiators. And then there's another group and that's the cyber, uh, technology people that come in and they would, uh, go in remotely. In some cases they appear on site, depending on how large the company is and how much you're willing to spend to get help. In most cases, a lot of these things are covered by insurance, and they try to negotiate with the uh, the threat actors, as they're called, to uh, get your data back. However, uh, in, in doing more research, I found out you can't always be guaranteed you're going to get that. And if you do, you've got to be careful that it's not going to be uh, contaminated with some other possible uh, viruses or something in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big, big business. And one guy that I spoke with, he said, you got to remember, and you said a minute ago, this is business. This is business. Right. For lack of better words, it, it, it would remind you the way these companies, these people think is, um, is kind of like a mafia. Uh, it, it's gotten to be pretty evil. That that's for sure. And there's, so many different ransomware products out there, I've learned. Just like this week, my wife uh, sent, matter of fact, I think we were on a trip uh, to uh, Knoxville, wasn't it, when she sent this article? That's about, right. And she was doing more looking around, and there's a, a large bank, Flagstaff Bank. I've never heard of them, but they're in the United States. They got into somehow to the Flagstaff Bank. They just found out in June they were hit them, I think it was in December. Stayed in their systems long enough to get 1.5 some odd million records of consumers. Mm-hmm. Well, now the um, the bank is having to um, pay for protection for these uh, consumers, their customers, uh, because they got hit and they were able to get their social security numbers and date of birth and all this right. sort of thing. Sometimes I've learned what these places do is they just do like you were talking about in texas they lock people out and then they pay to get a unlock so it is a variety of different ways these uh these these evil people are doing right now as you said it's big business and it's it's big business for these uh these threat actors that are demanding large sums of money the month, the money. Uh, if our listeners are curious, I've done a little research. I've heard from one law enforcement person the smallest amount that he was involved with was four hundred dollars. I heard another case it was thirty thousand dollars, and then of course what hits the news a lot are the bigger companies that have millions. Right. So it's all across the board, and no, there these. These ransomware people aren't targeting just the big, big companies anymore like they are. They're going after smaller uh, companies that um, that are easy targets. And they're easier targets because sometimes they don't have... Uh, they don't have their own IT department. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're relying on other people. I, I heard of one case recently where the cyber people... Um, did some digging into this company and this particular company has got about 20 employees 
and they found how they got in. It's like a, it's like investigating any kind of crime scene. I've learned they, they take all the data from all the devices, they put it together and recreate the crime scene to find out how did the people get in the first place. This particular company got in through a Hewlett Packard printer mm-hmm. that the uh, contracted IT person never did change the password on. Right. These attackers exploit number of weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard another case too. One of these cyber guys told me was a, a mouse, a, a mouse, a, a, a Bluetooth mouse called Razor. I never uh-huh. heard of it. And I've supposed I've, to be big in the gaming industry. In the gaming right? I've learned, but I'm not a gamer. <laughs> Some of the gamers are. And yeah, it's a big, and I said, well, how in the world do people get through to a printer? I could see that perhaps more as like opening up um, kind of like a back door. But how do they get through a mouse? He said, because that particular mouse model has got software in it. Mm-hmm. So if they can get to the software, it's kind of like they can go in reverse to get into the systems and yeah. filtrate. I know of one case where uh, a business got hit, again, roughly about 20 people. And in the middle of getting in, they lost power. The guy said that it was, that was, uh, he called it luck. I call it good fortune, maybe right. uh, being blessed. They, they they lost power while the thieves were in there, or they would have gotten more information. Mm-hmm. Thankful for that for that power outage, right? I was going to talk about the top three most common vulnerabilities. One of those that you mentioned with the HP printer, we look at credential abuse where we don't change default passwords or we have simple passwords. That's a very common method that these threat actors use to gain access to our system. So we can compromise credentials as one of the most used attack vectors. And so it's really important that, you know, have strong passwords I've read that, you know, at minimum, there should be 10 characters with capital letters, lowercase letters, symbols. The ones right now that people, that these cyber folks recommend is 16 characters. 16 characters. Good night. Yes, 16 characters, what they recommend now with with all the things you just described. Uh, Lowercase, uppercase, numbers, uh, exclamations, dots, commas, whatever and then they also recommend you change your passwords uh, every so often and don't use the same password on everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I think about that we should do at a minimum is multi-factor authentication. Yes. We should implement that where we can. Um, it's a little bit more of a pain, but that's that's the point, right? right. We want to make it more difficult. Right. Um, kind of like just having a... A safety mechanism. Uh, it's just getting too risky. Right. Uh, so we we mentioned um, credential abuse. Um, another common attack vector is uh, a software vulnerability, um, exploiting known vulnerabilities on publicly exposed systems. It could be VPNs, Citrix servers, or as you mentioned, something as simple as a mouse with software built into it. That's right. So the cyber criminals are always looking for potential open doors or vulnerabilities in software and servers. And when they find and exploit a vulnerability that no one is aware of until the breach occurs, we hear that referred to as a zero-day attack. These zero-day vulnerabilities are unintended security flaws, probably, you know, like this razor that mm-hmm. he had, you know. 
once they're known and they're reported, it's an open door for these ransomware gangs, uh, threat actors to exploit. One that comes to mind recently, we've had a couple of, well, we've had a few customers, I think, reach out to us about a MyTail vulnerability that has come to light in their service appliance. Mm. Of course, it was not known, and CrowdStrike reported this vulnerability to MyTail, who then has corrected it. And they have a patch available for that. And if you hear that, you have a service appliance, give us a call and we'll talk to you about that. But but something just as uh, simple as this Linux server has this vulnerability and it can open your your network. And see, that's something good for our listeners to know because so many people think, well, it's always Microsoft because that's what you hear. Right. But no, it's these threat actor people, these, I call them evil people, they, mm-hmm. they're they targeting Linux. I, I think the next step very well may be your Apple iOS devices. The other day, I think you were in this conversation with me with a customer. They said that they'd had three companies that were closely tied to their organization. It's a, a, a big company. They said there's three now that all three of the companies that work closely with them have had ransomware attacks. That's scary thought. And they were all of different sizes, companies that support them. So when those things happen, they pretty well take those vendors offline for protection until mm-hmm. they can prove that they're protected to put them back on their own line. Right. Interesting. So three companies associated or connected with this company had exposures. You know, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm going back to that city in Texas, they were exposed through their uh, their IT vendor. I think it was mm-hmm. through their managed service provider that, that they were exposed. Oh, I heard of a case uh, a few years ago in Jackson, Tennessee, where an IT company Pretty well, every customer that this IT company supported, those customers got attacked. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that company protected themselves, I'm sure, every which way they possibly could. It's difficult to protect yourself against all of these things. Something as easy as an email can expose you to these threat actors. The other, we talked about uh, credential abuse, software vulnerabilities, um, and then phishing. We talked about phishing on a couple of those other episodes. That's something where the attacker just sends an email with either an attachment or a link that's infected with malware that deploys the ransomware from there. The phishing can be included in an email, an SMS text message, or it could even be a telephone-based attack vector that's known as vishing. if you heard, listened to the other podcast. So it's important to Train your users to be aware of the emails and the links, the attachments that are open to be sure that it's from a trusted source. Three common attack vectors, credential abuse, software vulnerabilities, and um, phishing. Gary's talked some about um, some ways to protect yourself against ransomware attacks. You want to educate your employees about the risks of social engineering. Um, where they're tricked into helping these threat actors uh, gain access to your systems. And you want to patch regularly. You got, you've got to keep your operating systems, your software, your applications current and up to date. Ransomware code targets these known and unknown vulnerabilities. So by keeping your software and firmware updated, you reduce the possible attack vector. Of course, one other thing that we we haven't talked about that's 
got to be very important is performing frequent backups of critical data. Absolutely. You want to do that and make sure they're off-site or stored somewhere, maybe with a, a vendor you've got. Some vendors, like we have, will, will store your data off-site free of charge as part of your service plan. Mm. But, yeah, definitely have uh, multiple uh, and, and back up as often as you possibly can because anything can happen. But uh, have some sort of plan in place that you know that that data is good and it's in a secure place and would be restorable should you ever had to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Gary, you say a couple of really important things in there that, you know, you need to test the reliability of your backup data. You know, it's one thing to, you know, have these backups scheduled and and you're performing the routines and you're doing it nightly or weekly, monthly, whatever, whatever uh, your schedule calls for. But you need you want to be sure that if you need that backup data to restore systems, that it is good. And that's easy enough to do. Yeah. So it's important to have a disaster recovery and business continuity plans in place that you know um, how to access your data, that what you need to do should you um, encounter some kind of problem and the steps that you need to take uh, to get everything back up and going. So Gary, let's touch, let's come back a little bit. So what do you do if you are attacked, if you are exposed to malware of some sort, ransomware? You mentioned some things already, and I wanted to kind of come back to that. One of the things that you mentioned is contacting local law enforcement. So you contact your local law enforcement. Do you have to reach out to the FBI, or do they do that? Well, what my insurance man told me, he said the first step is to call local law enforcement. Second step is they'll contact the FBI. Third step after that, then work with the uh, the underwriters of your insurance policy. Mm-hmm. From there, they may take it direct, or they may do uh, work with another specialist. And most of them will have a specialist with that within that company or another company that they have hired to cover that part of your insurance protection. From there, they give you names of people, uh, uh, specialists in the law, uh, in, right. in, in the law practice and, mm-hmm. and attorneys and counselors. And when I ask why do they do that, and that is to make sure that you're kept legal of all the steps that are required. Oh, oh, oh and I forgot something, too. I was told there's an IC3.gov form right. that you also are obligated to go online and report to the government, uh, and that is an FBI site. You, uh, you follow the directions of the attorneys that are specialists in cyber warfare. Mm-hmm. Then uh, they'll get you connected with uh, negotiators and a cyber law or, excuse me, cyber technical people. And all these companies are intertwined. They, they all work with one another. Uh, I'm told they'll be glad to be on conference calls to help guide you through the process, but everybody's got their steps. So you've got the legal authorities, you've got negotiators, you've got technical people that'll help find out how did people get in, what, what occurred, and what you need to do to change your plan. And then that's the final step. Once something happens... They say going forward, you've got to be ready to put measures in place that we described a little bit ago to help prevent those things. 
it's easy for anybody now to go on. All you got to do is uh, is go online. You can type in the word ransomware help or ransomware. It will lead you from one article to another, to another, to another. Now, like anything else, I would be careful that you're on the right site and not falling trapped to a ransomware group. Mm, that's a good point. But make sure. Uh, now, there's a lot of good information. I've I've looked at the IC3 uh, government sites, ic3.gov. There's other, it's not just ransomware out there. There's other malware and other things. You can go into each section and read. They'll teach you a lot of information. Right. So that's probably where I would start for our listeners. Okay. That IC3 website, that's the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center. That's correct. Gary, I wanted to ask you, in regards to the insurance, can, uh, I know you're not an insurance agent, but to the best of your knowledge, can any insurance agent write that, or is it a special insurance? It's a specialty, uh, but but anybody that's in business that would have business insurance, okay. if your agent has not asked you about it, ask them. I think nowadays all of them are bringing it up. I know my insurance man has told me that as much as they now talk about it, and they're talking it more frequently and have been for the last five years or so, he said the sad part of it is about 40% of the companies still don't think they need it. That's a sad thing because I can tell you, everybody, if, if these big, big companies with big IT departments have a hard time protecting themselves, why does any business think that they would not be vulnerable? Right. That's a very good point. And Gary, that's, hey, that's, that's probably good enough right there to kind of start wrapping up the podcast. We can't lull ourselves to sleep and think that we're not vulnerable. All well, businesses. Let's are vulnerable. just get honest, Chuck. We, you know, we, we uh, we're here in Dixon, Tennessee. We have our office in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're close to Nashville. Yeah. And I can remember moving up here many, many, many years ago. You might hear of one murder in Nashville, and think, "Oh my gosh!" And it might be once a month. Then it got to once a week. Now, unfortunately, it may be more than one in a day. Mm -hmm. Well, similar to that type of crime is the crime in businesses and personal. We got, we don't need to leave our listeners out thinking that personally people can be attacked. Sure. And that's why, uh, you might want to have a protection for your own personal identity, such as a, a life lock or some mm -hmm. of those companies that, that do that. It's, it's sad that we live in a world like that, but that unfortunately is the case. All we can do is pray about it and that the Lord will give us protection and buy insurance and, and try to be as knowledgeable as possible. Learn everything you can because, you know, it may be that one thing, that one article that somebody mm -hmm. read about says, okay, I'm going to take that step. It might be two-step authentication. It might be, say, oh, my gosh, I got that razor mouse that my kid plays with. I am can't have that anymore. Uh uh, or, or to go around the building and make sure that your printers have, have not the default password set. Yeah. Uh, you think about it, these ransom people, they're going to go after the popular things. HP makes mighty good printers, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of them out there. So mm -hmm. you know, if you're a bad person, you're going to go probably try to find them. One of our folks here went to help a customer locally uh, about a week ago. A gentleman called me and or texted me, and a call, I called him back and said, Hey, we've got a problem here on our printer. We can't seem to, and we're not their IT department. They, we take care of their phones and some other things. 
he said, uh, can you help us with this? And so one of our folks went down to their office and he came back. He said, well, I got them back online. The IP address of that particular printer went out. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, well, I just went online and looked. I figured out what the IP address was. I went online and looked and found out what the default password is and put it in and got them back online. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. So I turned around and I called the customer and said, okay, we found a vulnerability. I don't know if you're aware of or not. They contacted their printer company, well-known printer company. The technician did not want to change the password because it's easier for them to go around and work on the printers. Right. I had to leave it up with the customer. I said, okay, it's between you and them. He said, no, we will definitely change these passwords. Don't let your IT department internally or externally or your vendors talk you out of not changing passwords. Folks, that has got to be something everybody needs to do on a regular basis because the world is certainly not getting any safer than that we live in. That's right. Well, Gary, once again, thank you for uh, taking the time to join me today and talk about um, ransomware. I think we've covered some, some good topics. Uh, thanks for taking the time today. I know you've been busy. Thank you, Chuck. All right. As we close out today, I want to encourage you, don't be afraid, only believe. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the His Call Technology Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast so you can stay up to date with today's business communication trends. To learn more about His Call solutions for your business needs or to listen to previous podcasts, visit us at our website, hiscall.com.